You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Uh, You ready to get into a Bible study? Are you ready to get into a Bible study? Yeah? Uh, How awesome it is to have the privilege to be able to study God's Word. It's a tremendous honor. We don't know how privileged we are. The ushers in the aisles, they'll give you Bibles if you need one. We are wrapping up a series today on the parables, the kingdom parables. Uh, We've looked at six kingdom parables so far. Today we're going to look at one more. Uh, kingdom parable and then a little closing parable that Jesus gave and we'll finish up our series today on kingdom parables I have really enjoyed it I hope that you have as well Um, uh, very insightful Uh, and Jesus doing something very interesting here in Matthew 13 he's been teaching just regular teaching and in chapter 13 he stops his normal style and he starts teaching in parables only And we've been looking at them for the last several weeks. And you'll remember the reason he did that is because the religious leaders accused him of being, doing all his miracles by the power of Satan. And Jesus at that point quits teaching regular, regular style and starts teaching in parables. And the disciples come to him and they say, Jesus, why are you now teaching in parables? And he gave them this answer. He said, because to you it has been given to known to the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to others it has not been given. And he, what that means is, Jesus spoke in parables to reveal and conceal divine truth. To reveal and to conceal divine truth. There are some that heard the parables and you know what it did? just went right over their head. They got nothing out of it. Their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were closed. Their ears were not listening. And uh, they didn't receive anything. Uh, if, you are, uh, if you're married, uh, you know, if you're a wife, you know sometimes you can be talking to your husband and what's he doing? <laughs> just not listening, right? The words are coming, but they're just going right over. And Jesus stops. He says, hey, you're not hearing. And he speaks in parables to reveal and to conceal. And here's the question for you this morning. And you don't have to answer to me, but you have to answer to Jesus. Did you come here today to hear his words? Or is this just part of your regular Sunday routine? You see, we actually believe it's actually true. There is a living God. And he wants to speak to you this morning. And therefore, let's bring our hearts before him. Let's have our hearts that will receive so that we might allow him to reveal truth to us instead of just having it go right over our heads and we miss out. Let's bring our hearts before him in prayer. Jesus, we do come before you this morning. Thankful, Lord, for your good nature. Lord, we realize that it's your desire to call us your own. It's your desire to save us from our sin and to give us new life, life meaningful and abundant. It's your plan, Lord, that this world that we live in leaves us empty and hopeless and feeling despairing, giving us nothing but futility. But it's also your plan, Lord, that in you we would have life and life abundant, that that futility would be replaced with purpose and with meaning. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning asking that you would do that work in our life. Lord, give us ears to hear what you might speak to us today. Give us a mind to pay attention as we look at this last of your parables in this chapter, Lord, that that is actually a difficult parable to understand. Lord, give us insight into it, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 13. And we are going to pick up right where we left off last week. We're teaching through the Bible verse by verse. Jesus has spoken six kingdom parables. Uh, A kingdom parable. What is it? A parable reveals what life is like in God's kingdom. 
Listen, a parable is a story, an earthly story that we can understand that reveals what life is like in the church age. Why is there evil in the world? Well, Jesus described that in one of the previous parables. Why are there... Why is there wicked people? Well, Jesus described that in one of the previous parables. Here's what we're learning. This isn't what happens in heaven. This is what happens here on earth in life. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so may we have understanding to understand what life is like here in this uh, kingdom age that we're living in right now. And to that end, Jesus gives us the the last parable. uh, Verse 47. Uh, Follow along with me as I read. Again... The kingdom of heaven, uh, that's the church age. That's just period of, of uh, God's kingdom on the earth, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. What's that? Yeah, Jesus tells a, a new parable here and the earthly story he uses is that of a fishing boat. Imagine a great big fishing boat out on the Mediterranean Sea and they're dragging a net through. And it says that it it gathers up some of every kind. There's some good and there's some bad that comes up in the net. There's some trash and there's some treasures. There's some rubies and there's some rubbish, right, that comes up in this net. There's some good fish and some bad fish, right? Some fish you want to eat, some fish you just want to toss. So I don't want to sculpt and no, we'll toss that. Oh, a yellowtail, nice. Yeah, we'll take that, we'll eat that. That's the picture he's giving. I love that Jesus uses illustrations that we can clearly understand. But know this, he's not talking about fish. He's talking about what life is like in the kingdom. So again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, good and bad, right? Which when it was full, they drew it to shore. And they sat down and they gathered the good into vessels. Oh, here's some good things. Look at this. Oh, nice fish. Oh, there's a sculpin. Throw that back, right? Oh, here's some trash. We'll throw that out. They threw the bad away. Verse 49. So it will be at the end of the age. Interesting. The angels will come forth and will separate the wicked from among the just. Now we know he's not talking about fish. He's not talking about treasures in the sea. Now he's talking about what? People. People. And at the end of the age, the angels will come and they will separate the wicked from the just. And this is horrific. Look at this. And cast them into the furnace of fire... And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. We looked in a previous parable. Jesus spoke more about hell than any other prophet in the Bible. And he spoke of it literal and and vividly with great description because it's real and he doesn't want anybody going there. If you're a parent and you've seen the, the horrors that come from being a drug addict. Oh, you will do anything to tell your kids about it so that doesn't happen to them. If you're raising daughters, oh, you teach them to protect yourself and to treasure yourself for you are a treasured vessel. And don't just give yourself away because you've seen the heartbreak that comes if that happens. And here Jesus, knowing the horrid torment of hell, is speaking clearly and openly, saying, hey, pay attention. I don't want anyone to go there. And so he gives us this parable, this dragnet going through the sea, bringing all kinds of things, both good and bad, to be sifted and to be separated. Some of them, the master says, oh, that's good. I want that into my house. Others, he says, oh, I don't like that. That's, that's wicked. That's vile. And he sends it off into the fire. And here we see something. This seventh parable is very different than the other six. We had the parable of the four soils. And that was the parable of Jesus going out, sowing the good seed, the word of God, trying to get people's lives saved, right? And the soil was our heart. 
And some of our hearts would, we'd hear the word of God and we just wouldn't pay any attention. It was like hard soil and just the birds came and took it. Evil took it. Others had a hard heart and, and it would grow a little bit, but then it would just it'd get scorched. Others got so caught up in the world, the cares of this life, that it choked out the good work that God was trying to do. But others, all oh, the seed fell on a good heart. They received it and they, their life changed and their life began to produce tremendous fruit. Oh, we see the parables. Jesus, uh, the, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man had in a field and he sells everything that he has to buy that treasure. That's a picture of Jesus' love for you. And Jesus left everything that he had to purchase our salvation, to bring you back to himself. What an amazing God of love. But this parable is a little different. Not like any of those. This one, oh, look at this. Verse 49, it tells us something very specific about the parable. I want you to underline these words. This parable tells us what, happened, what will happen when. What does it say? At the end of the age. Not the end of the world. The world is going to go on for another thousand years after what happens right here. This is what happens at the end of this age. This age? What age is that? Well, this age where we see things as they are is going to come to an end. Jesus Christ is going to return. And he is going to set up his kingdom on this earth. And then the world will be restored. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But here's what happens at the end of the age. There's a dragnet. It's a picture of God's judgment. And everything is going to go into this judgment at the end of the age. And here's the first point I want to bring you uh, in our lesson today. Every person will stand before Jesus to be judged. Every person will stand before Jesus to be judged. This dragnet will take everyone on earth at that time and bring them into that dragnet and they will all be judged. Every single one of us. No exceptions. And notice what it says. It says the angels will come and they will separate what? The just from the wicked. You like that Harley? We'll let it go by. The angels will come and they will separate. Say it with me. Separate what? The just from the wicked. Everyone will stand in judgment. They will separate the just from the wicked. The good and the bad. The trash and the treasure. The rubies and the rubbish. And I want you to notice something very particular here. There are only, well, let me ask you. How many categories are there? There are only two categories for all people on earth. Look at me. Eyes up here just for a moment. I'm talking to you. You are either just or you are wicked. There is no other category. There's no category for really nice people. There's no category for really moral people. There's no category for those who try really hard. There's two categories, two categories only just and wicked you are in one of those two categories and you know which one we're in apart from jesus christ wicked you see we don't like to hear this but here's the truth here's what the bible teaches all of us were born what sinners sinners what does that mean it means we were just we were just born with a nature to do the wrong things all of you who are parents, you know this, right? When you have a two-year-old, you never have to teach a two-year-old these words. You never have to teach a two-year-old, say, this is mine, 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 right? You never have to teach a two-year-old that. As a matter of fact, a two-year-old learns that word all by himself. No, mine, right? Why? Because we're selfish. And instead, what do we have to teach a two-year-old? Share. Share. Crazy, right? And we don't get any better as we get older, right? That's just who we are. 
We have a sin nature from birth. We inherited it from Adam. We had no choice in the issue. How many of you chose to inherit a sinful, selfish, arrogant, prideful nature? None of us, right? Nobody would choose that. We inherit it from birth from Adam. And therefore, we're separated from God. Ecclesiastes makes it very clear. Ecclesiastes 7 on your screens. Let me hear you read this with a thundering voice. There is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Wow. Tell it like it is. There's not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. You can say, man, that sounds harsh. I think it sounds freeing. Because I'm so often disappointed by my performance. I'm so often, how many of you are disappointed, don't raise your hands, but how many of you are disappointed by your selfishness? How many of you are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that again. What did I say that for? Well, here's what the Bible says, relax, it's okay. There's not a just man on, all the, on the earth who does good and does not sin. That's, re, that's, that's freeing to know, right? Here's another verse for you, Romans 3 on the screens. Take a look at this. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Wow. Not one. Not one. You say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm here right now. I'm in church. I'm seeking after God. Let me tell you something. According to the Bible, that wasn't your doing. That was God's doing. He's calling you to himself. You say, no, I chose to come to church today. No, no, no. God intervened in your life and he drew you by his spirit. Jesus said this, you did not choose me, I chose you. And I ordained your circumstances of life, I worked in you, I moved in your heart to realize that you have a need for something bigger than yourself, that was me working in your life. You didn't choose me, I chose you. We are so selfish, we would not come to God on our own. We are so selfish, we would never say, there is a higher authority that I have to submit my life to. We are not that way. We're like a two-year-old who says, don't tell me what to do, mine. We have made ourselves our own king. And we have tried to impeach the king of kings and the lord of lords so that we could sit on the throne instead. And we do what is right in our own eyes because we don't want him ruling over us. There is none righteous, no, not one. That includes me, that includes you. There's none who understands and there's none who seeks after God. That includes me, that includes you. Let's go on, let's read what the rest of the verse says. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. You say, man, I'm so glad I came to church today. <laughs> well, what seems like bad news is actually good news. What the Bible is trying to tell you is, listen, you can't be good enough to come to God. It's not possible. We are born totally lost in sin. We are not inherently good. We're inherently corrupt. I know we're prone to think we're good, but we're not. We're sinful. Take a look at human history and it will show it to you clearly. Humanity has longed for peace and a world where there were no, was no wars and no fighting and no poverty and no cruelty and no rape and no murder. Has it ever happened? No, it's never happened. We look at history and we see history is plagued with violence and war and prejudice and drug abuse and suicide and cruelty and hatred. And, uh, it just, it's because we're sinners. History proves that we are not basically good. Look at human history. Joseph Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, Hitler, Nero. I mean, we could go on and on and on, right? I mean, even today, there's corruption in leadership on all sides. It's amazing to turn on the news and to watch the corruption, even in the media, in the everywhere. We want, we want to have peace, but we can't find it. It's because we're sinners. And the Bible calls this the doctrine of original sin. Everybody say original sin. 
original sin. It means it originates in us. We have this selfish nature. We inherited it from Adam. We cannot save ourselves. We are helpless and we need a Savior. This may shock you, but God's standard for us is not to be 51% good. Or to be 75% good. And aren't you glad? How would you like, you know, you got a kid and you say, hey, look, I don't really care if you, very, very, if you make it very well. Just, you know, try not to kill anybody. No, no, no. You want the very best for that child. You set a high standard. Well, God is holy. And no one can come into his presence unless they are also holy. And here's the problem. None of us can be holy. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can reach God's righteous standards. And you know what the good news is? The good news is God says, you don't have to. You can't do it. I will reach it for you. And he gives us salvation as a free gift. God came to this world as a man. His name was Jesus. He is God in the flesh. God became a man. And he lived his life perfectly. The Bible says that he was tempted in all manner as we are, and yet without sin. Think about how many times you were tempted this week. Probably a bunch, if you're honest. And think about how many times you failed in that temptation. You had an opportunity to get angry with someone, and you had an opportunity to hold your anger and to really speak words of wisdom, and instead, what did you do that for? Missed the, you know, tempted. And here's the thing. Jesus was tempted in all manner as we are, and yet without sin. And yet that was not enough. That was only the qualification he needed to live a perfect life so that he might go to the cross and then die for our sins. He took the punishment of our sin upon his own shoulders. Why? So that we could have his righteousness given to us as a free gift. That's the gospel. We can't be good enough but God will give it to us as a free gift, His righteousness, if we will ask Him. What do you want to do? Do you want to try to establish your own righteousness? Or do you want to receive righteousness as a free gift? The choice is yours. God is speaking to you. What do you want to do? Oh, the Bible makes it very clear. Look at this verse. I'm going to ask you to read a lot of verses on the screens for a moment. It's the gospel message. It's powerful. It is amazing. Let me hear you read this out loud. Uh, <clears throat> Everyone has sinned. We, are all, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Let's stop there a second. Think about what that's saying. All of us have blown it, but God says you can be made righteous. What amazing thing. He can declare us righteous. How? Let's look at the rest of the verse. He did this through Christ Jesus. When he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Look at that. We can be made right with, go back a second. We can be made right with God simply by believing that God so loved us that he went to a cross to take on our sins. And just by believing that, God says, if you believe that, I will give you perfect righteousness. Wow, what an amazing God. What an amazing Father. Let's go on. Let's finish the rest of the verse. God did this to demonstrate... Excuse me. Let's try it again. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That's the gospel message. It is glorious. And if you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, oh, I want to just encourage you. You need to do so today. Why? Because at the end of the age, there are not four categories. There are not six categories. There's not a category for really nice people who tried really hard. There's not a good category, a category for good and moral people who were really trying to be moral. There's not a category for people who are really popular and well-liked. There's only two categories. It's just 
and wicked. You're either in Jesus Christ or you're not. And anyone can be in Jesus Christ. Where are you? Where are you? You may say, wow, that sounds kind of capricious of God. I mean, at the end of the age, to bring everybody and say, at a moment, he's going to judge, and he's going to judge everybody in an instant. And here it is, you're either wicked or you're just. What does just mean, by the way? Just is a legal term. It comes from being justified. Justified, a legal term, meaning completely innocent. Just as if you have never sinned. That is what God wants to do for you. I will not stand before God in my own righteousness because I would never stand. But I will stand before Him in His righteousness and He will declare me justified just as if I never sinned. And He will do it for all who put their trust in Him. You are going to be in two categories, one or the other. Which one are you going to be in? Just or the wicked? There's not two, there's, excuse me, there's not four, there's not six, there's not two categories. And you know what I know? If you say that, man, that, that sounds capricious. I don't like that. Hey, you're, you're not reading the previous parable. Because here's what the previous par- parable was. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling on a journey who left and sold everything that he had to buy a treasure in the field. That man is God. That man is Jesus. That treasure is you. He left everything so that you could be declared justified. Oh, it's available to you. It's not capricious at all. And he's gone through great lengths to give salvation to all who will call upon him. You know what I know? Jesus taught about hell so much because he didn't want anybody to go there. And here's the truth of it. Here's what I know. There'll be a lot of nice, moral, well-intended people in hell. Why? Because instead of receiving the righteousness of Jesus Christ, they said, I'll just try to be good on my own. And we won't make it. We won't make it. On the other side, there'll be a lot of corrupt and wicked people that were sinners in heaven because they've been made perfectly righteous by everything Jesus did for us. And all their sin will be forgiven. And there will be a new creation in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message. Anyone can be made just just by asking Jesus to save them. Jesus said he would save all who come to them, come to him, and he would give them new life. And that's what it means to be born again. In order to be justified, you have to be born again. And I would encourage you, if you have not made that decision today, to follow Jesus Christ and to make him Lord and Savior, Listen to this parable. You will come to the end of the age and you will be in the camp of the wicked no matter how hard you try. I don't want you leaving here today without that happening. And I would encourage you, if you'd like to make a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, uh, just talk to the person next to you and say, hey, look, I, I want to I pray that prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus. Come and talk to us afterwards. We'll, you know, uh, Anybody will, that comes to Jesus will be saved. The next point I want to bring us to in this parable, I have good news. This tired world that seems to be falling apart. Have you watched how crazy things are? Right? I mean, even our freedom of press is eroding away. This world is in trouble, but I have really good news. Jesus is going to heal this world. He's going to remove evil from the earth at the end of the age. That's amazing news. Jesus is going to remove all the evil at the end of the age and he's going to set up what the Bible calls the millennial kingdom. The end of the age is not the end of the world. It's the end of this age as we know it. It's the end of the church. We won't need church anymore. Do you know why? Because Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come and appear bodily and physically. He's going to rule and reign the earth from Israel, from Jerusalem, bodily and physically. And it's going to be a a millennial reign, a kingdom for a thousand years. And it's going to be heaven on earth. The earth is going to be restored. No more desert. 
The desert is going to blossom like a rose. The Bible says that the lion and the lamb will lay down together. The Bible says that all wickedness will be done away with and the righteousness will reign on the earth. And the peace and the, the, the unity and the, the world that we have all dreamed about will become a reality. Do you know why you have a longing for justice? Because you were created to be under the leadership of Jesus Christ. And He's going to establish His kingdom on this world. Our world is in big trouble, man, but Jesus is going to heal it. Isn't it amazing how quickly things are unraveling? Have you watched? Have you noticed? Lawlessness is, is increasing at rapid rates. Wickedness is just flourishing. There's all kinds of division. There's chaos. There's all kinds of things going on. Crazy weathered patterns and, and uh, division between people who believe this and people who believe this. And, and uh, the Bible says in the last days, because lawlessness would abound, the love of many will grow cold. And we're seeing it, aren't we? We're seeing it. But the good news is, Jesus is going to come back and to restore all this. And I want you to know, you, we, church, listen to me. We need to brace ourselves because the world's unraveling and it might get worse for a little while. I'm very concerned at what's going to happen after this election. No matter which party wins, we might see anarchy. And we need to be prepared. We need to be... Uh, really living uh, above the fray, right? Uh, and I want to encourage you, brace, be of good cheer. Jesus is going to heal the nations. He's going to separate the just from the wicked. And the just will enter into the kingdom and the wicked will be removed. And Jesus will establish His kingdom on the earth. How amazing. No more wars. No more poverty. No more drugs. No more sickness. No more peace. No more uh, persecution. Uh, it'll be peace on earth, just like the prophets wrote about uh, all, and all through the Old Testament. And so church, Jesus is coming again soon. Be ready, right? Be ready. May our eyes be on Him. May we be living for Him. I wanna, that brings us to our next point that I would like to bring us to in this parable. Don't forget your purpose. Don't forget your purpose. What do I mean by that? Don't forget your purpose. You are not an accident. God created you on purpose. And what is that purpose? That purpose is that you might know Him. That you might walk in fellowship with Him. That He might impart to you wisdom and discernment and understanding so that you might live a life different on this earth. Jesus said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you new life. Jesus wants to give you the ability to be able to face a difficult situation at work and to bring light and truth and grace to it so that you prevail. Jesus wants to equip us in our life that we might have great relationships and great marriages and be amazing mothers and fathers and be amazing brothers and sisters and be able to have amazing uh, relationships in the world that we might succeed in business and succeed with our neighbors and be able to overcome, uh, you know, fights and wars and all these kind of things that we might be full of wisdom and discernment and bringing truth and light into the world. You were created for a purpose, and that purpose was to do life with God. And He wants to be a Father who provides for you and brings everything into your life. That's what God created you for. In other words, to say in a nutshell, that your life would glorify Him. You'd be so in awe of who He was. He'd, he'd, he'd fill you with all of His riches and your life would glorify Him. Life is short. Don't forget your purpose. You know one thing I've learned in this journey? Life is short, but it's long enough to get sidetracked. Have you noticed that? We are absent-minded by nature, aren't we? I am. I went in the kitchen the other day to get my car keys. Next thing you know, I was eating a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> but how'd that happen? I was supposed to leave. I was supposed to be going somewhere. And now I'm eating a bowl of ice cream. I got sidetracked. 
We're easily sidetracked in life. We're easily sidetracked in our walk with God. We're easily sidetracked in marriage. So easy to get sidetracked in marriage. How so? Well, the one that you married because you were just like, oh, they're amazing. I love being with them. I love talking with them. You'd stay up all night talking to the wee hours in the morning. You just wanted to be with them. And somehow you lost your purpose. You're not enjoying your spouse anymore. You got sidetracked. You got focused on other things. And the love note stopped. And the date night stopped. And the flirty texts stopped. Why? Why? This is your marriage. Make it amazing. What happens? Oh, we get sidetracked. We forget our purpose. And the same thing happens in our walk with God. And I want to remind you this morning, do not forget your purpose. So easy to have it happen. You were created for God. And you were only here for a short time. And then you're going to enter into heaven. And he's going to reward you for all the things that you did in this life in faith. He wants to pour into you. He wants to bless you. Do you realize you are the most significant creature in all of God's creation on earth? Eyes up here just for a second. You are the most significant creation in all of God's creation on earth. And you say, well, I don't feel like it. Well, hey, let me remind, let me just give you, your IQ is amazing. You have the ability to ponder things that no dog or cat can ever ponder. You have an ability to ponder this. What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Why am I depressed? What is the purpose of all of this? That is a deep and profound creature to be able to ponder those things. And God created you that way uh, so that you might think about His existence. You have the ability to grasp concepts about an infinite God. That makes you very unique in all of God's creation. You are special. And we are significant because... uh, we, we were created for God. And what my point is, uh, don't get sidetracked, right? Don't forget our purpose. Put that other slide back up on there for me. Don't forget your purpose. Because isn't it so easy to forget our purpose with God? You were created. God made you with the capacity to know Him. Unlike any other animal or anything, you have a capacity to know God. But we get so caught up in our meaningless pursuits. Suddenly, we're all about buying a boat. Or suddenly we're all about golf or surfing or building my business or binge watching Cobra Kai, right? (laughs) What happened? Don't forget your purpose. Suddenly we forgot our purpose and we're all about barbecuing. I got a new smoker and all I can think about is smoking. What? Careful, careful. Hey, I love barbecue. I love boats. I love family time, even watching TV, but don't forget your purpose. Here's what I I want you to think about. What is God going to find in that dragnet? What is he going to pull up? Oh, here's one. Born in 1989. Watched about 126 hours of Cobra Kai. Watched about 315 hours of Tiger King. Spent about 27,000 hours on social media. What's he going to find in that dragnet? Oh, here's another one. Born in 1978. Was really into cars. Was really into motorcycles. Was really into sports. Wanted to be the top broker in San Diego. What's he going to find? Oh, here's one. Prayed 37 minutes. And the angels will ask, oh, a day? No, in his lifetime. (laughs) Oh, here's one. Read the Bible for three hours. Oh, a day? No, 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 in his lifetime. Oh, here's another one. Gave away $12,000. A year? No, in his lifetime. 
He just hoarded everything he had. He wasn't generous at all. What's he going to find when he pulls up that net? Hey, may we not forget our purpose. God delights in you. And he wants you as a treasure in his house, in his kingdom. We all have treasures in our house, right? Here's the thought. If there was a fire on your street and your neighborhood had to be evacuated, what would you take out of your house? You only have a few minutes. You know what you would take? You would take the treasures that are closest to your heart. Maybe your pictures of your kids when they were little. I would take the birthday cards my kids gave me and the Father's Day cards my, dad's gave, that my, my kids gave me when they were little. Oh, I love those things. I still read them. I'd take maybe my Bible. I would take maybe my wedding pictures. What would you take? You would take the things that are incredibly important to you. You see... Here's what I want you to consider, because I'm going somewhere with this. Stay with me. Who determines value of an object? The owner determines the value of the object. Some of you were willing to pay a lot of money for toilet paper not very long ago. <laughs> right? The owner determines the, the value, the worth of the object. Not very long ago, some of you were willing to pay a lot of money for a hand sanitizer. Because the owner determines the value of the object. Jesus determined your value when he said, I'm willing to give everything to get you back. But here's the question, what will Jesus find in that net? What will he find that is valuable? What does Jesus find valuable? Let me hear you answer. Think about it. It's a one-word answer. What does Jesus find valuable? One-word answer. Do, 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 do. What does Jesus find valuable? You know what it is? It is faith. Faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, I'm, I'm a really good person. I've given away a lot of money. I do a lot of good moral things. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's the rewarder of those who seek him. Faith? Faith in what? What do you mean faith? What is faith? Here's what faith is. Faith is believing, John 3.16, that God so loved me that he gave his only son that if I would believe in him, I would have everlasting life. Wow, Lord, you love me that much? I want to love you back. I want to know a God who loves me. That's what faith is. Jesus will search that dragnet like a coin collector looking for a rare coin. Oh, here's a 1961 Buffalo nickel. Oh, I want to keep that. What will Jesus find valuable? Not nickels. Here's what he'll find valuable. Jesus will look into that net and you know what he'll say? He'll go, oh, here's one. He denied himself to obey my word. I want that. I'm taking that one. Oh, here's one. She walked through the fiery furnace to honor my name. She endured persecution and people who were harassing her about her faith just to honor my name. I want that one. Oh, here's one. They served me in children's ministry. They studied for several hours just to teach eight-year-olds about how much I love them. Oh, I want that one. Oh, here's one. He woke up at 5 a.m. every Wednesday morning to disciple a group of guys. Oh, I want that one. Oh, here's one. They prayed just because they believed that I would hear and that I would move. Oh, I want that one. These are the things that Jesus is going to find valuable in that dragnet. These are the things that are going to touch his heart. And you say, Pastor Dave, I don't understand. That sounds like, like a lot of like, like works-based religion. That sounds like you have to do things to please God. 
No, 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 not at all. Nothing can be further from the truth. It doesn't sound like doing things to be saved. Here's what it sounds like. It sounds like a life that was moved by God's love. It sounds like a heart that is responding to God's love. And that's what God finds valuable. Faith. Faith. My daughter has a birthday tomorrow. I've spent some time thinking about what I'm going to get her. I wanted to get a good gift. Not to earn love, but to show love. You see, our heart's response to Jesus isn't to earn favor, it's just to show. It's not to earn His love, it's just to show that we love Him. And that's what it is. And so let's close, let's wrap up with this final... uh, uh, anyway, that's the parable of the dragnet, right? I mean, it's amazing. Um, and it's going to be at the end of the age. And Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to gather everything that there is. And they're going to be in two categories. The just and the unjust. May we be found in the just category. Justified because of Jesus Christ and all he did for us. Amen? Uh, let's move on. We'll wrap up with this. And we'll end our series on parables. Uh, um, and I lost my spot. Uh, We're in verse 51. Jesus teaches them these parables, all seven of them, kingdom parables. And then he asks these disciples this question. This is a great question. Look at verse 51. Jesus said to them, that's to the disciples, have you understood all these things? And they said to him, say it with me. Yes, Lord. Do you think they understood all these things? No, I don't think so either. Why don't you think so? Well, here's why I don't think so. If you read, go on further in the Gospels, it's crystal clear they didn't understand all these things, right? Why did they say, yes, Lord? I so wish they would have said, no. Can you explain to us the woman who hid leaven in three measures of meal until the whole thing was leavened? I would love to have Jesus explain that better than I did two weeks ago, Right? Uh, would love it but they don't do that they don't say it they say yes lord why 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 do they say yes can i give you an answer it's pride it's pride they wanted to sound like they understood everything have you ever had someone tell a joke and you didn't get it and you went <laughs> oh because you didn't want to seem like you were stupid and you didn't understand the joke have you ever said yes? Yeah, oh, I got it. Yeah, yeah, shot. When you didn't get it, you know why we do that? Pride. And here's a good lesson. As we come to Jesus, there's no room for, say it with me, there's no room for pride. When you're reading the scripture and you don't understand the passage, don't just go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's good. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no call out and say, Lord, I don't understand. I'll often be reading and I'll spend hours on a single verse. And you know what I'll be saying? Lord, more light, please. More light, please. I don't understand. And here's what the Bible says. that He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Come to me. I'll reveal myself. Jesus spoke in parables not to hide things from his children, but to reveal them extra clear to his children. They ask, have you understood all things? They said, yes, I wish I would have said no. And then Jesus gives them instruction. Uh, And I love how generous Jesus is. He doesn't say, yeah, I don't think you do. He just says, okay. Uh, Verse 52, then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old now it came to pass when jesus finished these parables that they that he departed from there and when he had come to his own country he taught them in their synagogue so they were astonished and they said where did this man get such wisdom and these mighty works they were just blown away at how profound he was 
This last one that we'll look at here, here's what Jesus is saying. Uh, some call it a parable, some don't. I'm not going to argue, whatever you want to call it. But after he teaches in the seven, seven uh, kingdom parables, he then says this. Now listen to me, listen to me. Every scribe, every student of mine who's instructed in the things of the kingdom of heaven is like a house owner who brings out of his treasure things both new and things old. I want you to circle the word householder or house owner. What does it say? Householder. Here's what he's saying. What is a householder? A householder is a person who's responsible for the people in his house. And what Jesus is saying is every student of mine, I'm going to make a householder. I'm going to make them an overseer of, of, of things. And I want them to bring out of their treasure things old and things new. Things old, the gospel message. Never tire of meditating on the gospel. God's incredible love for us. And that He just wants to give us forgiveness. Things new, new insights as we study His Word today that speak directly to me about what I'm dealing with. How does he do it? I'm in awe of it. He speaks things new all the time from his word. Fresh manna that is good for you right now and what you're going through. I want you to know something. I've had Bible verses memorized, word perfect, for decades that I thought I knew what they meant vividly. And then one day, I'm meditating on it, and God brings new light to it. And I'm like, wow. And it speaks to exactly what I'm dealing with. There's times in life when you're going through a situation, and you've got a householder in your house, you've got a relationship in trouble. And God says, oh, I want my word to come to you so that you can bring out treasures that will bring healing and health to that relationship. Jesus is inviting us into his family business of building others, of giving life. Jesus is inviting us into the kingdom and saying, hey, I want you to be a kingdom builder. God is calling you to be a builder of men, to be a builder of women. And may we do it to the glory and honor and praise of God. Amen. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.